Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat here on WSBT Radio. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this Thursday, February the 23rd of 2023. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a broadcast on 960 AM, also streaming live at WSBTRadio.com on the WSBT Radio app and a video feed of the show available right now on the Twitch app. We've got two hours of Sports Beat coming up tonight, then at 7 o'clock, the latest on the Fighting Irish basketball team. It is the Mike Bray Show. But let's focus on Sports Beat. Coming up, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick was a part of a live chat today with University Relations, and he took questions from Irish alumni and got some football questions, and we will pass along what he had to say coming up in just a little bit. Notre Dame basketball falls to Carolina last night, now tied for last place in the ACC with Louisville. We've got a Twitter question of the day to get to in the six o'clock hour. We'll talk all things Notre Dame football and a little Irish basketball with Patrick Engel, Notre Dame football and basketball writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Our My Five question of the day today, I'll give you my five NFL free agents that make sense for the Chicago Bears. They have a bunch of cap room. So I'll give you five names to consider. Also coming up later on, we'll have some sports wagering conversation with our Sizzler segment. It did work out last night going Notre Dame plus six and a half against North Carolina. But I just missed on Armando Baycott, the Carolina big man, who they didn't even throw the ball to in the first half. Why, I don't know. His over-under total points last night was 16 and a half. And, of course, he finished with 16. So we'll try again tonight in our sports wagering segment here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But we begin with our hat trick of opening topics. Hat trick symbolizing 
three topics to get tonight's Budweiser's weekday sports beat underway. Let's start with Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. He was involved in a live chat with University Relations in which people could ask him questions today. There were more questions about the what in the world happened with Utah Offensive Coordinator Andy Ludwig. Did you not want to pick up the buyout even though Jack has addressed that? Marcus Freeman has addressed that. It was a topic again today as well as some other football-related topics. So to give you the Cliff Note version, if you've been on vacation, if you haven't been tuned in, if you've tuned out Notre Dame football in all avenues, Andy Ludwig, longtime offensive coordinator, has been at Utah the last three years putting up some big numbers. He came to South Bend, interviewed for the job. Marcus Freeman, the head coach, took him to a hockey game. He was on the video board. He was on national TV sitting next to Marcus. Those are things that don't happen unless you are hired, but that was not the case in this particular situation. Pete Thamel of ESPN reported Notre Dame balked at the buyout of Ludwig. Jack Swarbrick says that was not the case. Marcus Freeman validated what his athletic director had said. Hopefully that was a good Cliff Notes version of the story. Well, today, in that live chat, Mr. Swarbrick answered the question again about the offensive coordinator search and eventually the hiring of Jared Parker, who was already on the staff as tight end coach. And here is what Mr. Swarbrick said in the live chat, and I quote, I certainly understand the passion that surrounded perceptions of the process. That's what drives Notre Dame athletics. It never bothers me. I embrace that. The hardest job an athletic director can have is to try and generate passion for a program. I thought Marcus did a great job in his comments trying to address the misinformation and the issues that had come out. He ran a great process and screened three candidates. I love where we ended up. That's not to say that the others were not, and I'm going to assume it says good candidates. My printout got cut off. As he said in his press conference, they made a decision for personal reasons. We honor that and have no issue with that. This took us to Coach Parker is, for many of us, a great result. He understands the program. He res- it results in us being able to move forward with the same terminology, which is really big in terms of implementing game plans, offensive and defensive schemes. Well, let's point out Sam Hartman, the quarterback, is going to have to go through that terminology process. Got a little work to do in that area, but the rest of the team, okay, we're going to stick with the terminology. He understands the personnel. He's so well-liked and so well-regarded in the building. He has a great relationship with Marcus. All of that gives us an opportunity to look back on this process, his selection, and feel great about it, end quote. Well, there is no doubt the AD, if you have to generate passion, That is a tough job, and probably you're not going to be around your institution very long if that 
is a long-term problem. Hey, Mr. Mendoza, well-respected in the Notre Dame communities, had some harsher comments about the process. But again, Jack and Marcus have brought forth a different delivery of the story of this situation. And I think a lot of Irish fans feel better about the situation after hearing from Jack and Marcus. Let's also be fair and point this out, that ESPN's Pete Thamel, who reported that Notre Dame balked on the buyout, did not retract his portion of the story. We move along to the second of three hat trick of opening topics on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Thursday. Also from the same Swarbrick chat, he was asked about the offensive line coaching search. And Jack said, quote, first-tier candidates have been identified. Really encouraged by the quality of those candidates, that's a process that I think will move fairly quickly, end quote. Now, Football Scoop reported last night that Notre Dame's top candidate could be Matt Luke. Matt Luke was an Ole Miss center. He was a captain of the Rebels football team when he was there in Oxford. Eventually became Ole Miss interim head coach and picked up the full-time head coaching position in 2017. Luke was a three-year head coach at Ole Miss, 2017 to 2019. His record overall, 15 and 21, 6 and 18 in the Southeastern Conference. Matt Luke and Ole Miss parted ways after the 2019 season. He was picked up by Kirby Smart, the Georgia head coach. And Luke became not only Georgia's offensive line coach, but associate head coach. And he held those positions in 2020 and during their 2021 national championship run. According to footballscoop.com, Luke made somewhere in the vicinity of a million dollars at Georgia. Now on February 21st, 2022, Luke stepped down from his associate head coach and offensive line position at Georgia due to needing to spend more time with his family. So Luke has spent a very short amount of time away from coaching. Now, according to Football Scoop, they report the conversations have been extensive and highly in-depth. Sources emphasized Luke is the overwhelming top target for Notre Dame. If you go on social media, you go on message boards, a lot of diehard Notre Dame football fans are extremely excited that Matt Luke might be the top candidate and might become the team's offensive line coach. It mainly has to do with the fact he worked with a couple of terrific offensive minds. He has worked under David Cutcliffe at Duke and also Phil Fulmer at Tennessee. So according to Mr. Swarbrick, there are some candidates that he's really encouraged about. The process could move fairly quickly. And according to footballscoop.com, Maybe at the top of the list for Marcus Freeman is Matt Luke. 
We'll see if that process moves as quickly as Mr. Swarbrick indicated. So the Irish right now still have not officially announced quarterback coach Gino Gadulli. That could happen anytime. And we'll see if Marcus Freeman gets Matt Luke as his offensive line coach. As we inch closer toward spring practice, we inch closer toward, once again, a full Notre Dame offensive coaching staff. Okay, our third opening topic for tonight's program. Notre Dame basketball taking on North Carolina last night at Purcell Pavilion. Another night of pulling your hair out or taking your fingernails and scratching them on a chalkboard. Things started off not well offensively for Notre Dame. The Irish needed five minutes and 54 seconds to score their first points of the game. Thankfully, North Carolina couldn't throw it in the St. Joe River. And there was a lot of hope at halftime as Notre Dame had the advantage over the Tar Heels 27-19. Not only did Carolina only score 19 points, they shot 18.5% from the field. Now, I know the broadcast on TV talked about that Carolina did not have an assist in the first half. To be fair to Carolina, they only made five field goals, and they did not have an assist on those five field goals. Second half, Carolina flipped the script. They outscored the Irish 44-32, but what's interesting, in the second half, Carolina shot 42% from the field, Notre Dame 50%. But you look at the rebounding totals. Carolina dominated the Irish 52-33. 23 of the 52 rebounds by Carolina came off the offensive glass leading to 23 second-chance points and 34 points in the paint. Irish lose another tough one. They have now lost their last five games by a total of 18 points. They're right there in these games, but the games just do not come out in the favor of this Notre Dame basketball team. On the Notre Dame Radio Network, heard right here on WSBT Radio last night, the voice of the Fighting Irish, Tony Simeone, had a quick chat with Fighting Irish head coach, Mike Bray. One possession at the end of the last three. We're now joined by the head coach, Mike Bray. Coach, the third time in a row we've seen you guys within yeah. a, a possession in the final minute, and it didn't Ooh. go your way. Just what was your takeaway after another tough one here that you guys almost had? thought we defended great for 40 minutes, but... Yeah. Uh, we couldn't squeeze any key rebounds there. I feel for our guys. We've been in that position a couple times and hung in there and had a chance. And we keep putting ourselves in position, but we can't get over the hump. Um, but we'll keep trying on Saturday night in Winston-Salem against a very good team. I want to ask you about J.J. Starling, who I thought gave you a great second half. He hasn't maybe scored it the way yeah. that he was accustomed to the last few games. I thought he came alive for you and gave you a ton there in the second. What did you like from J.J.? Yeah, he struggled a little bit in the first half. And, and you know, that's where he's grown as a player. He's gotten more mature, and, and he hadn't let it affect him. And certainly we need a lot out of him with uh, Marcus Hammond down with the sprained toe. And I'm, I'm not sure yeah. how long he's going to be down. That hurt us. But, I, again, I thought J.J. handled – 
not a good half in the first half with a really good second half gave us a chance. Coach, the last one I have is just, I'm sure it's tough because the results aren't going the way you want, but I'm looking at these final scores. You guys are in single-digit yeah, games against all of these teams. I know you're going to talk about trying to make a run into Greensboro. Is there anything about these results and, and the way you're in all these games that's giving you faith when uh, you get to Greensboro, you got a shot? Well, we don't even want to talk about Greensboro <laughs> yet. Let's talk about Winston-Salem. And, you know, I just told him, I said, you know, we, we put ourselves in position. Let's try and see if we can do it in Winston-Salem. And, see if we can get over the hump but it'll never be our turn you know you got to make it your turn and i think our our guys have learned that the hard way this year coach appreciate Thank it you. as Thank always you. there's mike yep. mike bray with tony simeone last night final score north carolina 63 notre dame 59 the irish are now tied for last place in the acc with louisville both teams are two and 15. Another chance for the Irish to pick up a win Saturday in Winston-Salem. They'll take on Wake Forest, 7 o'clock tip on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will begin at 6.30. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Coming up, we've got our Twitter question of the day and then more from Mr. Swarbrick's live chat today with University Relations Besides the offensive coordinator conversation and the offensive line coach search, he talked about NIL, how Notre Dame is trying to handle NIL within its image, and also maybe more conference realignment coming and how Notre Dame fits into all this being an independent. Also a couple of thoughts on the Notre Dame men's basketball coaching search. That's all coming up before 6, then at 6.05, Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated talking Irish football and Irish hoops on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Twenty-nine minutes after five o'clock, sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio nine sixty, WSBT. I was just reading a second ago about Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers and what he has done the last four days. He recently talked that he was going to do this, but he spent a little time in meditation, and apparently he was in a room that is partially underground, a Hobbit like structure with 300 square feet of space devoid of light with a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat on the floor. Now, I mentioned there devoid of light, but then a description of the room later on in the story mentions, well, the retreat has three dark rooms and it's booked for the next 12 months, but at any point it is fully powered so you can turn the lights on from inside the room. That kind of defeats the purpose of the whole situation, but I guess if you get tired of the dark, you can always flip the lights on. So Aaron has now had a chance to meditate, and we will find out if he wants to make $40 million again this year playing quarterback for some team. It doesn't sound like it's going to be the Green Bay Packers that he will be traded. Apparently the New York Jets, the Las Vegas Raiders, are among the teams that would be highly interested in Aaron Rodgers. And I have to tell you, I wonder 
how many quarterbacks that started this year in the NFC North will be starting in the NFC North next year. I think it is a better than 50% chance Aaron Rodgers is not back with the Packers, so that's one. I would assume Jared Goff returns in Detroit. Kirk Cousins, I think he's got a year left on his deal. I don't think they would cut him at this point, so he's probably back. And I'm still not convinced the Bears are going to stick with Justin Fields. With that number one overall pick, you have a chance for this front office to draft the quarterback they want. They inherited Justin Fields, and if they do not believe Justin Fields can be a part of a Super Bowl winner, they got to dump him and then go with the quarterback in the draft they believe that can accomplish that. Now, if there isn't that guy, you stand pat. But this is kind of a once in a career running the Chicago Bears to have the number one overall pick and a chance to take a quarterback that you feel like you can win with. And if you feel like you can win with pick your favorite quarterback in the draft, you trade Justin Field for other assets to help you win because there are going to be teams in the NFL that would be interested in Justin Fields. If you want a guy that is going to be better at throwing the football, you move on from Fields. Or if you don't feel like he's going to get that much better he's got the arm strength we know what he can do running the football but is he a championship level quarterback delivering the football consistently that's what the Bears front office has to consider even it sounds crazy I know there's a good chunk of the Bears fan base that believe Fields is the guy get it but the front office they inherited Justin Fields and if they see a guy that better fits their vision of this team, wouldn't shock me if Fields is traded and they bring in a different quarterback. Maybe Bryce Young from Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. That would be ironic, going from one Ohio State quarterback to the other. But, again, I don't think it's that out of the question. Now, Ryan Poles recently in a press conference was asked about Justin Fields, and he showed full support. Hey, let's remember – a, he has to do that, and B, the NFL draft is also the lying season where nobody tells the truth normally because they want to hide from what they're doing. You don't have to be as careful when you're the team picking number one overall, but you still want to make sure you keep the value of a player high that you might consider trading. Will the Bears stick with fields? I think it's still up in the air. I really, really do. We'll find out very shortly. The Bears are going to have a chance at the Combine to look at these quarterbacks and go further into their decision-making process on which quarterback gives them the best chance to win a championship in the future. If it's Justin Fields, done. If it's up in the air, then that brings a lot of quarterbacks into play in this draft. And who knows what the Bears could get for Justin Fields in the trade market. It'd be kind of ironic if Baltimore lost Lamar Jackson and traded for Justin Fields. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out, but I think it's going to be very interesting. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Twitter question of the day from Wednesday's program on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. I asked you, 
What Notre Dame football-related offensive storyline is most likely to occur this spring? Here were your four choices. Number one, tight end Michael Mayer is taken in the top ten selections of the NFL draft at the end of April. Choice number two, a real quarterback competition takes place during Notre Dame spring practice. Choice number three, in that small window in the spring, Notre Dame adds an offensive grad transfer player. And choice number four, a current Notre Dame offensive player at some point this spring will enter the transfer portal. Here are the results of yesterday's question. Fourth place in the voting, 16.7% of the vote. They went with Notre Dame will add a grad transfer on the offensive side of the football during that window in the spring. I'm not sure. Let's see how the injuries affect the offseason after spring practice. But at quarterback, you're okay as long as everybody continues to be a part of the program. Running back, you're outstanding. Wide receiver, do you need another veteran guy? Maybe Smith from Virginia Tech is that guy. Tight ends intriguing. If you find a good fit, I could see that. Offensive line, tackles and center, you're good. Guards, they feel like they have answers. So I'm not sure where it would be. I think there is more of a need along the defensive line to find that person. But we're talking offense tonight. So fourth in the voting. And a grad transfer, 16.7%. What Notre Dame football offensive-related storyline is most likely to happen this spring? Third place in the voting, 18.3% voted for a real quarterback competition. Now, again, my definition of this, I'm not talking about a coach talking about we have a true competition taking place. That can be coach speak at times because you want all the quarterbacks to push hard in the spring and not just say, well, Sam's the guy. I don't have to worry about myself. We're talking about on the practice field, day in and day out, there is a true quarterback competition. 18.3% believe there will be. I'd be curious to know why you think that when you have Sam Hartman on your roster, but I respect your thought. And it gives me something to think about. Second place in the voting, 23.3% went with Michael Mayer being a top 10 pick. I'm not buying that at this point. He's going to be a first-round pick. Where he goes, I think there's wide-ranging thoughts on that. I'd be shocked if he went in the top 10 with three or four quarterbacks going in the top 10. You're going to have a couple of offensive linemen, two high-end defensive players, so we're already up to eight right there. And that's without mentioning a corner. So, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he could be between 10 and 25, realistically. And finally, winning the vote, the Notre Dame football offensive-related storyline most likely to occur this spring, that a current member of the Notre Dame offense will enter the transfer portal. My follow-up question should have been, 
Is there a player in mind or a position group that you feel like might lose a player? I'm guessing the average fan would probably say Tyler Buckner right off the bat, considering Hartman's here. Maybe a running back would think about going somewhere else to get playing time because, man, there's some great talent in that room. There's a handful of guys you could argue should have 10 carries a ball game. Maybe an offensive lineman farther down the line would do that. So interesting. But 41.7% offensive player to the portal won yesterday's vote. We thank you for voting. Great results from yesterday's question. Now to today's question, which was posted earlier this afternoon. Again, on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. We go to the defensive side of the football. What Notre Dame defensive-related storyline is most likely to occur this spring? Only came up with three choices for this one. Choice number one is a young linebacker overtakes a veteran linebacker on the depth chart. It would kind of be a hypothetical depth chart. But they would come out of the spring with a lot of momentum and the possibility of pushing a veteran to a backup role. Choice number two, Notre Dame searches for defensive line depth. That could be picking up someone from the transfer portal like Smith last year from Harvard, adding good depth to the interior of the Irish defensive line. And the third choice, where will the sacks come from? So what Notre Dame defensive-related storyline is most likely to occur this spring? A young linebacker overtakes a veteran, searching for defensive line depth, and where the sacks will come from. You can vote right now. You can vote tomorrow. Again, my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future, and Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings, have happy endings. Your time is 541. My name is Darren Pritchett. Coming up next on Sportsbeat, more from Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick's live chat, answering questions about some Notre Dame athletic topics. We'll get to some of his answers coming up next on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Touchdown, Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 546 at 960 AM WSBT from our studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana. 
Hope you're having a great Thursday. Darren Pritchett with you. We've got Patrick Engel coming up in about 15 minutes or so to talk Notre Dame football, a little Irish basketball. He covers both for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And for those of you that enjoy fighting Irish women's basketball, they're going to take on Georgia Tech over at Purcell Pavilion at the top of the hour. That game can be heard on our sister station, Live 99.9. But in the meantime, here on Sportsbeat, I want to focus a little bit more on Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick being a part of a live chat with University Relations in which the public could ask questions earlier today. We spent a little time in the first 20 minutes of the program as Jack went through the offensive line I'm sorry, the offensive coordinator search controversy, the buyout conversation, and basically said the same thing he wrote in an email to donors last week and along the same lines of the things Marcus Freeman talked about in his press conference on Monday when he introduced Jared Parker as his offensive coordinator. He also mentioned on the offensive line coaching search, Quote, first-tier candidates have been identified, really encouraged by the quality of those candidates. That's a process that I think will move fairly quickly, end quote. Football Scoop reporting the top candidate is former Ole Miss head coach and former Georgia offensive line coach Matt Luke. All right, let's go to a couple other topics from this live chat earlier today. One of the subjects that was asked of Mr. Swarbrick, NIL, name, image, likeness and how the fun group is helping to support Notre Dame in the NIL category. And this is what Jack said, quote, a hallmark of this has been our ability to work closely with Brady Quinn. Brady's creation of what is referred to as the fund fund stands for friends of the university of Notre Dame. We will never be able to thank Brady enough for what he has done out of the goodness of his heart and his concerns for Notre Dame to build this fund or collective in the regular parlance that fits with what Notre Dame wants to do. He went on to say, there are opportunities to be involved in promoting and marketing charitable enterprises that could never do that otherwise. They can't advertise and don't have the resources This connection gets made. Our student-athletes engage with those entities. The fund makes a payment available to them for that service, end quote. The follow-up question was in regard to how Notre Dame is trying to handle NIL within its image. Mr. Swarbrick, during the chat, said this. It starts with trying to make sure it extends to as many interested student-athletes as possible. At this point, about 40% of our student-athletes, that's about 725 students, so 40% of that total have engaged in NIL activity. Some student-athletes don't have an interest in it. They're so pressed for time that when we bring an opportunity or refer them to someone, they'll sometimes say, quote, no thanks, I don't want to do that, end quote. What we want to do is ensure Their true transactions are not pay-for-play. We just don't want to go there. We don't need to go there. True transactions in which the student-athletes engage in something 
lends their name, lends their image, but importantly, lends their ideas and intellectual firepower. Some of the most interesting opportunities right now surround the technology or a new company, and we have a way to help them develop that, as well as deciding to do a photo shoot for someone. Hey, we all know if you follow college football, that is not the way some schools are handling NIL. They are making recruiting look a whole lot different with the way that they are getting kids to their school. Let's face it, cheating has been going on for a long time. Let's don't be naive. But now under the NIL circumstances, there are some teams that are getting more advanced in the NIL process in the recruiting process, which is not supposed to be the case. But at this point, who's going to stop it? It's the wild, wild west. You think the NCAA has control of this? (laughs) No shot. No shot whatsoever. Here's an interesting question. Glad this was brought up. Mr. Swarbrick was asked about conference realignment and how this affects Notre Dame's independence. Quote, there's a lot of attention on the Pac-12 media rights discussion and a lot of speculation that if that doesn't go well, there may be another phase of realignment here, perhaps with some Pac-12 schools moving elsewhere. I don't know if that's the case, but it's a very hot topic right now. There's a lot of speculation surrounding it. I've never felt better about our independent status, both its value to the university and our ability to maintain it. The expansion of the college football playoff, a 12-team playoff with six at-large positions, gives us a fair opportunity to get into the postseason. The opportunity to have a committed broadcast partner gives us an opportunity to be independent. Finally, it's a question of whether we can build the schedule we need to build. That has never been an issue, and it's not now. I've yet to place a phone call to a colleague and ask if they were interested in playing, and they didn't say yes. We have all the ingredients. It's a great time to be an independent and we'll take advantage of it, end quote. First off, there was some speculation last summer about Notre Dame wanting X amount of dollars in their new TV deal package for the Notre Dame home games, which NBC has had since the early 1990s. Notre Dame did not say this. Jack Swarbrick did not say this, but there was a report that Notre Dame might be looking to get around $75 million in this deal. I don't know if that's the number they want. I don't know if the deal's going to get anywhere close to that. But based on these comments, it sure seems like that Notre Dame is very confident that they will have a broadcast partner that's going to pay what Notre Dame wants, giving them the opportunity to not have to go to, as one example, the Big Ten to hit the big payday. They will be comfortable in what this new TV deal brings. So I think that is one thing we can take away from those comments. Yes, there is a lot of attention on the Pac-12 and what this media rights discussion will end up being. Could this be the downfall of the Pac-12? Could this be the Pac-12 trying to bounce back 
was something we're not expecting? It's a big question. And I think the one thing for me, the only thing I am hesitant about, and before I say what that is, let me back up and say this. I came to South Bend in December of 98. As an outsider before that, I was intrigued to why Notre Dame wanted to be an independent. When I got here, I learned about it, totally understood it, and I have been a 100% supporter of Notre Dame remaining independent. There has been no reason whatsoever for Notre Dame to leave independence. Earlier this year, I started – I'm sorry, I guess it would be – I'm sorry, last year when USC and UCLA jumped to the Big Ten – I started to change my mind just a tad bit. As time has gone on, I went away from that thought, seeing that there is a path for Notre Dame to be an independent, and I'll stick by that. But I will say this. The one thing that I need to be convinced about is the university, the coaching staff, ass a lot out of these players being a college football player is a 365 day job now it's a job it is not a time where you get time off you go to the beach you're constantly in the weight room preparing for the next season you are asked to do a lot what concerns me is this if Marcus Freeman gets this thing going to where everybody wants it, where Notre Dame is a team that when the college football playoff rankings come out, Notre Dame is near the top. That's the goal. What concerns me is, let me hypothetically say this, in 2026, Notre Dame goes 12-0 in the regular season, and in the final college football playoff ranking, they are number one in the country. But based on not being a conference champion, they're an independent still, Notre Dame would only be a number five seed in the college football playoff, which means not only are they not the top-seeded team in the tournament, that they're going to have to play an extra game compared to the four highest-ranked conference champions. Like, for example, this year, if we use this hypothetical Notre Dame goes 12-0. Utah upsets USC in the Pac-12 title game. They've got a couple of losses. They'll be seeded higher than Notre Dame, possibly, if they're one of the four highest-seeded conference champions. I just feel like as much work as these players put in, and they did everything asked of them, and they're number one in the country, but only ranked fifth because of independence, that's the one moment where I say, are we doing what needs to be done to win a national championship. Can you win a championship from the five seat? You better believe it. But I just want the players to get the reward for what they achieved. And they would not do that under this current model and the current setup. They would not be the number one seed. They would be the number five seed. They'd have to play an extra game. Maybe that would be at home. That would be cool. But I just want the players to get the reward that they have earned during the season and under the current situation that I brought forth, that would not be the case. That's really the only thing that's my concern at this point. It's not a concern at the Dome, so what I say really doesn't matter. I'm just speaking as a media member, throwing out an idea to you, 
And if we ever get to that point, are you going to be frustrated by this scenario unfolding? And would it change your mind about independence at all? Now, if you win the championship from a five seed, no one gives a darn about this particular conversation. 5.59 is our time. I'll talk Notre Dame football with Patrick Engel coming up in a couple of moments. Sports update on the way from WSBT. Amy Sienna, Kevin Putz here with First Midwest Mortgage. Welcome to the second hour, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Thursday, February the 23rd. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined on the phone by Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated. He is a writer at blueandgold.com, focusing on Notre Dame football and also Notre Dame men's basketball. And he's kind enough to join us for a couple of moments here on WSBT Radio. Patrick, you've had a lot to write about in regard to Notre Dame football in the month of February. February used to be all about National Signing Day. I don't think you've had really a February like this. No, and here I thought last week uh, when I had scheduled a a ski trip out to Colorado would be perfectly in the middle of a calm period. And, (laughs) you know, naturally there's two coaching hirings that go down the day I leave. (laughs) That's the way it always works, doesn't it? Just like clockwork. Hey, let me start by asking you about where we are right now with the offensive line coaching search. I know Jack Swarbrick today in his live chat with University Relations made it sound like that Notre Dame has honed in on some candidates and he feels like the process could unfold quickly. Do you have a feel right now? Is there a leader in the clubhouse? And do you think this could end up being a a pretty quick decision for Marcus Freeman? Yeah, we know based on a a lot of reporting that Matt Luke is the former Georgia offensive line coach, Ole Miss head coach, and before that, Ole Miss offensive line coach was in earlier this week for interviews. Uh, I believe he was the first one uh, to come on campus for an interview. So let that speak what it does, and especially considering uh, Luke's credentials, hard to find someone out there who would bring uh, that much more power five, offensive line coaching experience would be, you know, available and, and ready to hire like Luke is. He spent this past year out of coaching. Uh, that was his decision to leave Georgia, uh, wanting to kind of step away from the hecticness of what college football coaching entails these days. But clearly Notre Dame has him interested enough to consider coming back in where he came up here for an interview to meet with Marcus Freeman. So uh, we'll see where that goes. You uh, imagine, you know, since that took place Tuesday slash Wednesday, uh, you know, resolution wouldn't be too far away, but uh, we'll see if it wraps up there, if it, it moves on to some other candidates who, you know, might come in uh, pretty soon uh, as Marcus Freeman looks to continue to search if he has to. Patrick, I'm just thankful Notre Dame hockey was on a bye last weekend at Michigan this weekend. There is no way we can have any headaches surrounding a Notre Dame hockey game this weekend involving a coaching candidate. But seriously, I was noticing today I went to the blue and gold message board, the loose emoji board, and people talking about Matt Luke. As you know, at times, Patrick, it is hard to keep fans happy or get them excited about something. But I noticed with the rumors about Luke being Notre Dame's top candidate, it was received extremely well. And I'm just assuming it has a lot to do with his pedigree. I mean, he worked with Cutcliffe and Fulmer, two of the real smart offensive-minded guys of the last 20, 25 years. 
Yeah, and, and like I mentioned about experience, it's going to be hard to find guys interested in the job with as much as he has coaching offensive line. Uh, been an offensive line coach uh, every year since 2000 at Division One level through 2021, save for that stint uh, three years as Ole Miss head coach. Uh, he started at Murray State, then went to uh, Ole Miss before, Tennessee, Duke, uh Back to Ole Miss, I believe, yeah, from Duke to Ole Miss. And then Georgia uh, from 2020 to 21 after uh, he was dismissed as Ole Miss uh, head coach. So a lot of impressive work there in the SEC. Obviously, his last season at Georgia, uh, they won the national title. The <laughs> offensive line was a Joe Moore Award uh, semifinalist. When he was the co-offensive coordinator at Ole Miss before uh, being elevated to interim head coach and then eventually having that tag removed, uh, that was in that time period where Ole Miss beat Alabama twice when they were really rolling under Hugh Freeze and putting up school records on mm-hmm. on offense. So he's been a part of, of that. He's, uh, I believe, has called some plays before, but that's not really important in uh, what Notre Dame would be asking him to do now, which is you know, coach the offensive line and take over for where he stands. And uh, you'd certainly think based on what his uh, past lines have done, his experience, and uh, how he recruited in the two years at Georgia – that it would be a really, really good hire for Marcus Freeman. He is Patrick Engel, covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame men's basketball at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We had the chance on Monday to hear from head coach Marcus Freeman and new offensive coordinator Jared Parker. From Parker's comments from that press conference, Patrick, what impressed you? What was kind of your takeaway from hearing from the brand-new offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that you know he he made a good first impression, and that's all you can do in that moment. So I'm I'm not you know a whole big proponent of the win the press conference or whatever. I don't think it really has any bearing on how anyone does as a coach. But you still want to make a good first impression, and yeah, I think he did. Just you know talking about how he was a a, a team player, I guess, in a search that for a job that he wanted but didn't initially want him. I mean, it's got to be a tough uh, you know spoonful of pride to swallow when you know, the job that you want, instead of being interviewed for it, you're asked to go to a game with the guy who uh, your close friend from 10 years ago, hmm. when you started coaching at Purdue together, wants for that job instead. But he, he did it. He was there. And all the while still kind of stayed at the ready just in case it turned to him. And, and it did. And, you know, I, I think you'll see some, you know, a lot of the, the continuity in terms of the terminology and the playbook stay. And, uh, you know, we'll, how much is that? really worth when you're bringing in a new QB anyway, but still good to just not erase whatever progress Sam Hartman would have made uh, in a month here. Not like you're throwing a completely different system on him, but they wouldn't have if Andy Ludwig or Colin Klein had ended up taking this job. So I I think you'll see him be very adaptable, very, uh, you know, willing to kind of, go with the vision that Freeman outlined. And it, it's, I think it's pretty clear that Marcus Freeman has an idea of what he wants. And that was what he, why he identified Ludwig and uh, Klein as the two initial targets and what he thinks Jared Parker can do. I think he's come a long way from when he said at his introductory press conference, uh, Freeman back in December of 21, that his offensive philosophy is what you've seen Tommy do. That kind of almost felt like deferral of, I don't really know a whole lot about this yet, but I liked what we saw in practice, so that's it. Versus now seemingly a guy with 15 months of experience of working closely with offenses 
and having a more defined idea of what he wants. So I think you'll see him and Parker at least have the synergy within that. Now, obviously, it's Parker's job to make sure that that vision is executed the best of what Notre Dame has on its roster's abilities. Hmm. Well, I fall into the category, Patrick, of someone that I was okay with Tommy Reese, the play caller. I don't think he was as bad as some of the fans would would talk about on social media or on message boards. I had more issues with some recruiting under Brian Kelly. But with that being said, I think, in my opinion, there is still a big leap to be had offensively to put yourself in a better position to be a playoff team and ultimately a national championship team. There's still another jump for this program. Just you as someone that's been around this program, if you had a chance to put something in the ear of Jared Parker, something you'd like to see more from this offense that might help them make that jump, is there anything that comes to mind for you? You know, I don't know if it's one single thing, just as much as it is like this looks like the ingredients for the best offense that Notre Dame has had in Mm -hmm. a long, long time maybe better than any of the Kelly era, maybe as good as some of the ones with Brady Quinn as his peak form with Weiss. So I don't know if it would be, you know, one thing that you really, really want to see just as much as what you have on paper looks really, really good. Just get the most out of it. And I think that would have been the same thing had Reese stayed. Like Mm -hmm. what was really interesting about him, if he did stay and kind of what you'll never really see with, uh, without him there is like, this kind of felt like the year where it really could have clicked, where he really would have had everything in place, where there would have been no more like, oh, but he didn't have this or that or whatnot that you can reasonably bring up in his first three years in bits and pieces. So I, I think you'll see, you know, this is a situation that could have made a lot of coordinators who put this job look good. I think it has a chance to do that with Parker, but certainly Parker still has room to elevate it there. So, I mean, if I guess if you think of Hartman in particular, he, he's really, really stretched the field well. Uh, last year, I'm not sure that was a strength in Notre Dame's passing game mm-hmm. operation uh, personnel a season ago. So uh, I don't think that the, the staff needs to be reinforced that at this point. They've watched Hartman film. They've seen the potential of their receivers that they need to get it out of. And I, I, so I, I think you'll see more of a downfield element to it this year just from uh, what Hartman can do and maybe what another year of development with Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey. Uh, those guys as downfield threats, and we've seen Hartman throw a lot of back shoulder balls really well. So, you know, it, it seems like Colby, Merriweather, a couple of those guys, uh, even Jaden Thomas, uh, would fit that well. So, I, I guess if you may pick one thing, it's going and down the field vertically a little bit more. But again, I, I don't think I'm breaking any new starter Notre Dame staff, considering you know, the the work they would have done on Sam Hartman and the tape they would have watched before they decided to pursue him. Mm, I love that thought, and I think that's exactly what I would have said had you asked me that same question. Patrick, it, it seems like that Gino Gadouli will be named quarterback coach maybe very soon. Marcus Freeman, again, very familiar with him at Cincinnati, and Gadouli was the quarterback coach for Desmond Ritter, didn't call the plays. It was Mike Denbrock. So, I think some fans get worked up about some things that they don't need to get worked up about. I have no concerns about the offensive coordinator not being the quarterback coach. What are your thoughts on that dynamic? It definitely puts the, you know, the onus on Parker to make it all work and kind of make sure he's good at managing time. But this isn't anything that's new to 
Notre Dame or previous staffs, even the ones that Freeman has been a part of, like you mentioned, uh, Gadui and Mike Denbrock were offensive coordinator quarterback coach pairing with two different people. That was the case with Chip Long and Tommy Reese. And, you know, I think we saw those offenses do some pretty good things in the overall tenure there. So I think it's pretty manageable as long as, you know, Parker is pretty diligent, intentional, smart with his time and, and just kind of fits it all in and, and that he meshes with Gadouli and, and Hartman. He'll be in, in offensive meetings. And, you know, it's, it's still pretty hard for the offensive coordinator to not, you know, run into the QBs a lot and work with them a lot even if he's not in every single position drill with them. So I, I don't think it would be an issue, or at least I would need to see some kind of evidence of uh, this doesn't look right or sound right or whatever uh, to make me think that something would really be uh, a foot there that you don't want. Let me just shift gears for a second. You cover the Irish basketball team, and I'm sure it is very difficult for someone like yourself to have to come up with different storylines in writing these recaps because it just feels like you could write the same thing game after game after game as Notre Dame puts themselves in position to beat a good opponent but at the end of the day they just can't get over the hump yeah sometimes I wonder if I have written the same thing and I just forgot (laughs) from say a month ago because this script is just too similar and yeah you know a bunch of coaching searches in February will make you forget what I might've written yesterday versus, uh, you know, a month ago in some game that was a similar thing. And yeah, you just kind of almost expect it at this point and, you know, good for them for just not packing it in and folding and uh, especially against the harder part of their schedule here, but it is just kind of predictable where, you know, they just don't quite have the juice to, you know, get over the hump in one of these games, whether it's a key stop or a key rebound like yesterday or a key shot like Saturday in Virginia, just not there. And I think it's what it's been uh, really all year. So just kind of one of those seasons that it's not really delivering anything new. So you just kind of want it for everyone's sake to be over, really. And, uh, you know, obviously the, there's these guys have pride in their competitors and clearly you're still trying to play for pride so they'll obviously play until the end but yeah the uh the script is is just kind of keeps recurring at this point i, I mean <laughs> you know, Patrick, yeah in contention and and just don't have the horses and the the mindset the you know whatever it might be to, to get over that hump. you know i went into the season thinking they're going to be probably seated way down the line in the ncaa tournament but I just thought they would figure out a way to get into the tournament, maybe scrape together 19, 20 wins, even without that dominant post player. I thought they might be able to piece it together with Lashevsky, but it's just been really hard to watch. I knew you could go so many different ways to describe why this has gone the way it is, but do you think it starts just with that lack of quality big, not having that replacement for Atkinson? Is that where it all starts? I think that's a major component of it, absolutely. And even though they had been pretty good on the defensive glass uh, until yesterday, uh, still you see where it shows up and just an inability to kind of flatten the defense of what or how a real post threat does that. It opens up ways to do that. And especially with Atkinson, how crafty he was as a post scorer that were sometimes his defenses had to double him and how good he was as a passer for making teams um, – burning teams for, for double teaming them. 
So, I mean, the fact that that source of offense is just not there really at all, like we, we just don't see a whole lot of post-ups compared to a year ago. And that when you take that away from any offense, it really changes a lot of things as far as how it generates open shots and how it affects a team that wants to shoot a lot of threes and wants to generate a lot of open threes. And, you know, when you combine that with uh, losing Blake Wesley and his kind of feel yeah. as a passer and uh, explosiveness off the dribble that got other guys really good shots, uh, I think you see the the more game-to-game inconsistency or have-to-have inconsistency on offense than what you were used to seeing a year ago. Oh, you set yourself up here because I'm asking you a brutal question. You just you brought a question to mind. Hypothetically, in a magical world, you could bring back Wesley or Atkinson. Which one would you bring back? I don't know the answer myself right now because Atkinson seems yeah. like you need the big, but Wesley made everybody better around him on the offensive end, so it's kind of a tough one. <laughs> I'll go mental gymnastics here a little bit and say maybe <laughs> if uh, you bring relax Blake Wesley, it makes it easier to get a big guy in the portal. So uh, I'll go there. So, and you know, you obviously the old you know truism, but uh, uh-huh. I think there's some still truth to it that good bigs like playing with really good guards, and yeah. Blake Wesley certainly was a good guard. So I'll, I'll go there, but uh, just just because of how important I think it ultimately is that uh, for what Notre Dame wants to do to have a guard who can really break things down and get other guys shots and is really, really skilled as J.J. Starling is. I don't think he's quite the same level Mm -hmm. of a pure point guard or passing feel. So I think I would do that and just kind of hope that uh, it it made them that much more uh, of a better selling point uh, for transfers, uh, transfer big men in in the portal, that they would have been able to find another version of an Atkinson or, say, a Grant Basile, who, uh, and just a almost, I don't want to say predictable, but, like, you know, insult to injury kind of thing matched his season high in points against Notre Dame uh, when in an alternate universe that really isn't that uh, was pretty plausible 10 months ago that he would have been mm-hmm. playing games at, at personal pavilion wearing blue and gold instead of Virginia Tech colors. After the way you answer that question, Patrick, you have a future as a head football coach. You you danced around that question beautifully. <laughs> you, you've got it down. You're going to be a head coach, I think, someday very, very soon. Hey, you've got a lot of things happening right now at blueandgold.com with all the coaching searches. We've got a basketball coaching search on the way. So how can our listeners be a part of the Blue and Gold family? Yeah, you can go to the site right now. you find a lot of the stuff I've written all week on on Jared Parker and my Friday column that's going to focus a lot on the, the Parker hire uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, you'll go to the site now, and you can find a, a special to join until football season for just 29 bucks. Uh, you'll see it right in the front page where you can find any of the premium stories. So uh, all kinds of offensive coordinator uh, coverage all week uh, this past week at blueandgold.com, and certainly whenever an offensive line hire is made, we'll, we'll have that covered too. Very good. Hey, Patrick, thanks for doing this tonight. Greatly appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll catch up again very soon. Absolutely, Darren. Thanks for having me. You bet. Patrick Engel covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame men's basketball at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read all his work right now at blueandgold.com. He's got a lot of stories up right now on the coaching search that took place with the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, and, of course, they're keeping you up to date on what's happening with the offensive line coaching search at blueandgold.com. It is 27 minutes after 6 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Let's take a timeout. When I return, we'll give you a quick update on the Notre Dame women's basketball game that is underway at Purcell Pavilion as the Irish 
are taking on Georgia Tech right now. And also, we've got a My 5 question of the day. My 5 NFL free agents that make the most sense for the Chicago Bears. 628 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT, Notre Dame women's basketball right now. 414 to go, second quarter. The 10th ranked Irish lead Georgia Tech 29 to 23. So far in the ball game, Sonia Citron leads the way with seven points. Three players with six points so far in the ball game. Kylie Watson. Olivia Miles and KK Bransford. Notre Dame starts tonight tied with Duke for first place in the ACC at 13 and 3. The Dukies will host North Carolina State in about 90 minutes. You can catch Notre Dame women's basketball on our sister station live 99.9. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And today's My 5, five NFL free agents that makes a lot of sense for the Chicago Bears. I'll say this, Orlando Brown, the tackle from Kansas City, is going to cost a boatload of money, so I avoided him and went with a little bit more quantity, but with some pretty good quality mixed in. So I'm not going to have Orlando Brown, and you'll see why I fixed some other holes with maybe some of his money. So let's start with this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. This is kind of boring, but an offensive guard. Ben Powers from Baltimore started 17 games for the Ravens during the regular season and their postseason game. 1,094 offensive snaps. 597 pass plays. He allowed just 12 pressures, one quarterback hit, and zero sacks for the season. Now the Bears could cut bait with Cody Whitehair, opening up a spot on the left side of the offensive line for a really good player in Ben Powers of the Baltimore Ravens. Four. Let's go within the division, and let's add wide receiver Alan Lazard from the Green Bay Packers. He is not the number one the Bears need. I'm not convinced that can be done. Not sure the Bears are going to spend the collateral to do that or the draft capital. So Lazard is a guy that can be a good piece for the Chicago Bears. Again, he's not a number one. Coming off a really good year, career high in catches with 60 receiving yards, 788. He has scored 14 touchdowns over the past two years. I think that would be a nice target for Justin Fields or whoever the quarterback is for the Bears in 2023. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. If you're keeping Justin Fields, 
let's line him up with a dynamic running back. Think about having Justin Fields taking off down the field if you're a defensive coordinator, but also the running back in the read option. Let's go big. Even though there's a lot of good running backs, Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants has that explosiveness back. Remember, he tore his ACL against the Bears a couple of years ago. Found his form again this year. Can catch the football. Electric in the backfield. But just imagine Fields holding the ball in the belly of Barkley and linebackers panicking all over the National Football League. Number two. A guy that I know as a Bronco fan, I think it'd be a good fit. Draymond Jones, defensive end, Denver Broncos, 26 years old, third round pick in 2019 by the Broncos out of Ohio State. Came into his own last year, an interior player at times. Six and a half sacks last year, 47 tackles. I like that addition to the Bears defensive line. Number one. And the number one free agent that makes sense for the Chicago Bears. I went with a familiar name in Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle, San Francisco, played his college football here in South Bend. Ryan Poles needs to improve the right tackle spot, and McGlinchey can fill that void. Now, his run block win rate this year was 81.2%, fifth best in the National Football League. Pretty good place to start. Now, According to the stats, his pass block win rate went down a bit to 89.6%. So basically 9 out of 10 times he held up against the pass rush. But if you're not going to get Brown, I think Mike McGlinchey would be a nice addition to right tackle, put powers at left guard, and I think you've got something starting along the offensive line for the Chicago Bears in 2018. And 23. So five NFL free agents that, for me, make sense for the Bears. Offensive guard, Ben Powers of Baltimore. Packers wide receiver, Alan Lazard. Giants running back, Saquon Barkley. They're probably going to re-sign him, so that's a bit of a, a reach. Draymond Jones, defensive end, Denver Broncos. And offensive tackle from Notre Dame and the 49ers, Mike McGlinchey. And that is today's my five question of the day let's get to some sports wagering conversation coming up next on your home of the fighting irish and tonight's mike bray show at seven o'clock sports radio 960 wsbt 